This episode of Let Me Say This is brought to you by Birmingham Black Pride. Join Birmingham Black Pride this August 15th through 18th for our second annual Beham Black Pride. Tickets are now on sale on our website at behamblackpride.org. That's www.bhamblackpride.org. So welcome back to uh, Let Me Say This with uh, Tony Chris Walker. So we have done, I think I just call it an unintentional series. <laughs> um, and I, I really want to have different guests each week, but I really love talking to Dave. Um, I enjoy talking to you. So that's good. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's like a whole love fest up here. But I mean, I really, I mean, and then the subject matter that I want to talk about, I can't think about anybody else mm-hmm. who I would feel as comfortable talking about. Uh, talking about it with, so I'm glad you're back. Thanks. All right, so today uh, we've talked about a lot of different things. Uh, we talked about um, pretty much what whiteness looks like in America. We talked about the re- how, really we've been talking about how whiteness intersects with other, thing, with mm-hmm. other things. Uh, first time we are talking about religions mm-hmm. with the evangelicals. Uh, last week, we just talked about a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. But this week, I really want to talk about how um, whiteness intersects with masculinity mm-hmm. and how that also kind of like feeds into racism and just not being culturally appropriate a lot of right. times. Right. So, we, we the both of us have been, you listened to it, I'm listening to it first, first mm-hmm. time. So, Seen on Radio Season 3 mm-hmm. about men mm-hmm. and masculinity. Yeah. So... We know that racism is a construct. Would you say that masculinity is also a construct? You know, I, mm, yeah, I mean, I guess it is. It, the thing is, I, I, I hesitate more around that because I do think, I, I do see, I think there are such things as, as biological differences. You know, that's, there's a reason that, that more boys are diagnosed with ADD and more women are diagnosed with um, uh, um, I can't think of what it is, but, but frequently diagnosed. I mean, we pathologize being a a hyperactive boy and we pathologize being an emotional woman instead of looking at these as being just natural differences. So I hesitate to say that it's, it's entirely social construct, but I do think that it is a social construct. Well, yeah, yeah. so there's, so, so I think we both can agree that we think that there's some social construction around masculinity. Yes. Yeah. Like, what does it, what does it mean to be like a, a, a quote unquote real man? Right. Exactly. So that's, so for me, that's the, that's the social construct of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that there are these things that are, that are considered good or virtuous, like, you know, um, uh, be, being unemo- being stoic, you know, not suppressing your suppressing your emotion, not being a sissy, right? You know that kind of stuff, um, which is a lot of times, you know, we encourage men not to be emotionally intelligent and right. not to have friendships. I mean, we got a crisis of men who don't have deep friendships, and that's one reason that you know men die. One of the things I loved in this <laughs> series, men die earlier. Yeah. So what what's the trade off we're making? You know, what's the the transaction we're making. And there are a lot of different reasons why we, I mean, there are some biological reasons given 
the, the social construction of masculinity mm-hmm. that we've done. But then there are also some other things that we do as men to put ourselves at risk. Mm-hmm. Like when you think about going to war. And most right. of the time, up until recent times, there were no women in combat for real. Mm-hmm. And so now, you know, women being able, or were being able, I don't know if the, this administration has walked that back. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the uh, Obama administration, um, they had said that women could be in combat positions. Right. It made yeah. a big difference with the West Point graduates and everybody else. So, you know, if you're going to go to war, then that kind of like cuts your life in half a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but then the also, you know, when you think about the stressors in life and how if I'm not able to emote and show my emotions, I got a lot of stuff that's built up inside. Right. And stress is one of the... Stress is inflammation. Yeah. And yeah. that's the worst thing you can do for your body. Mm-hmm. And and for men to not to be socialized and to not showing their emotions, right? And then they don't go to the doctor. And we don't go to the doctor, right? If, when something's about to fall off, that's when we're talking about. Hundred percent. Those down to the knee. I think I need to go check on this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and and you know the irony is so like so many of those things like heart conditions and whatnot right. lead to impotence and other things that then make men feel less manly or whatever. So yeah, so the stress. The, the lousy eating, you know, all that stuff. I was, so I was talking to, um, I was talking to someone about diseases and I was talking to them about, um, somehow or another we got on such a high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the high blood pressure medicines make men intimate to get them mm-hmm. ED. Mm-hmm. And there are men who would rather not take the high blood pressure medicine yeah. just so they can have an erection. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about trade-offs, I mean... Right, right. I guess it is what it is. Yeah. But that, so, so there are a couple things, of course, we, you, there are natural, I mean, mm-hmm. physically are born with these stronger mm-hmm. bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, testosterone is associated with, with strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not saying the estrogen isn't, but right, there's sure. a different, different mechanism with that. And, and you right. can tell when people do hormone replacement there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there is, like these other components of being masculine. Mm-hmm. Like growing up, like now, I guess because I'm older and there's a lot of things that you don't have to do to perform masculinity when you're older. Right. Most people consider me a, to be a rather masculine, cisgender, gay man. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas when I was a kid, the other cisgender straight boys would call me sissy punk and fag because right. I wasn't performing masculinity right. the same way that they were. Yeah. And... It goes, it goes to a lot of our, our biases, but when you think about what, the, what, what message or what do we need to start teaching our boys on how to be men? Right, right. Well, yeah, and I think you pointed to something interesting there because, yeah, as you get older, um, I mean, the, there's, there's this demasculinization of older men, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's okay. You know, because <laughs> you're old, right? right? And so, so there's, it definitely is a... Um, it's definitely something associated with being young, being more hot-headed, etc. Uh, more risk, more risk-taking. Right. When as you mature, you realize that shit just isn't that. Double right. <laughs> like, What the hell? Yeah. There's a reason your insurance rates go down <laughs> after twenty-five. After twenty-five. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. Uh, but but even but even at that though, you know, especially in the in in this new age that we're living in, in which. We have people all along the gender spectrum. Mm-hmm. 
And it is interesting today. So today I had I went to a meeting in Montgomery that had Dr. Redfield, the the, uh, the director of the CDC, mm-hmm. talking about their new HIV end epidemic plans. And you know, I got a little hope, but not a whole lot, because mm-hmm. it's the government. But um, <laughs> he 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 spoke at uh, AIDS Watch, which is like our national uh, advocacy day that we do in DC. Mm-hmm. Two days where we actually go in and get in the senators' faces. Like, I know all the underground tunnels and stuff yeah. that go from the buildings. Kind of like one of those things that not everybody gets to yeah, do. Yeah. But, um, but he, he he spoke this year age wise and got booed. I want to say people threw fruit and vegetables <laughs> at him. Really? But, um, but he had made the comment of people living with HIV, who are infected with HIV mm-hmm. or living with HIV infection and people were like, no, that's don't don't call us that. And so this goes into a little bit of a, a little bit of a problem that I have with these ultra progressives. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, bitch, we gotta call you something. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I want to tell him so mm-hmm. bad, hey, I'm not offended. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> that you said someone living with HIV or someone who's infected with HIV, because guess what? We are. Right. <laughs> okay. But there's a limit for me, there's like how how much more politically correct can we get? Mm-hmm. You know, and I forgot what the term that they wanted to be called, what they wanted them to call us, but I wasn't really offended by that. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that and the pronoun things and, well, you know, female to male, mm-hmm. transgender people, uh, and the people who, and I don't want to call them stuck in the middle because they're comfortable in that space with the, our gender non-performing people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, should we just not use the term man? Mm-hmm. Or I mean, because I don't, it, I don't know. Like, how do you? I don't know how you fix that. Yeah. Well, so so I have sort of a, a, a postmodern understanding of language. Like, so so there's always some element of power in how we, you know, who gets to who gets to define what or who, um, and how how we use. The Victor tells the story. Right, right. How you deploy the language, right? right? And so I think I think it's always important to listen. I mean. The, the big issue for me with language is eventually you just want to get, you, you want to convey something. Right. Um, and it is, I, I don't think you can necessarily separate the content from the medium because yeah. sometimes the medium is the content. Um, but I mean, I hear what you're saying because I definitely think. Let me give you a good example. Yeah. So let's just say you have a, a, a male, a trans man mm-hmm. who's recently started having the HRT and and probably got his, uh, his breast removed mm-hmm. uh, and because he wants to feel like what well, we stereotypically consider to be male. Mm-hmm. You know, so then you have the progressive activist that just like masculinity is so toxic. Right. So yeah. do we, do, do we yeah. deny him his moment in the masculine right. sun? His desire to be masculine. Right. right. Like, uh-huh. is that wrong? Yeah. Right. You, yeah. And there, I mean, and, and there, let me just say this, y'all. There there are no answers to this. A mm-hmm. lot of this is like rhetorical and us trying to work through it ourselves. Mm-hmm. But how do you navigate that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, as a, as a cisgender dude, I you know I, I step carefully around this, but cisgender straight dude, cisgender straight dude, yeah. But yeah, I mean, because some people want to be, I mean, some people identify as masculine, right? Right? Like I want to be masculine, and there's certain things like you know, I'm I'm a straight guy, I'm I'm pretty conventional in my <laughs> in my in my loves and lusts and right. interests and who I want to be. You know, um, I don't I don't necessarily, I mean, I'm not ripped, I don't have a six pack. Uh, abs or anything like that, but you know, you got this second trimester look like. 
But I mean, there's there's a certain and and is it is it just social conditioning that makes me want to look a certain way or or talk a certain way or is there some aspect of which that that's part of my identity and who I am? And yeah. I think that's the question. Mm-hmm. That's the question. Like even when we talk about masculinity within the cisgender gay community, because mm-hmm. of the levels of masculinity associated with. You know, how you perform masculinity usually depends on how you perform sex. Right, right. You know, mm-hmm. so like the guys who are the more receptive partners typically are more feminine, feminine right. where the guys who are the inserted partners are usually the more masculine. But then you got this group crew in the middle who will do any and everything. Right. And they're all over the spectrum. And then you have guys who are pretty much the receptors who are also receptive and masculine. Sure, sure. So, <clears throat> right. And even in Ireland, there's some real, real, like, terrible... <laughs> I'm going to tell some of the gay secrets. That's, that's, there, there's some real um, misogynistic language. Yeah. And when we think about misogynistic language, we think about it in terms of men versus women. Mm-hmm. We don't think about... It, sometimes we think about it in terms of men and men when we're being straight versus gay. Sure. But when you're gay and gay, it's almost like that whole light skin, dark skin, black person thing. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're all in this together, but y'all think y'all are a little bit better than us because right. we're light skin. Right. And the way that mas- the, the way that toxic masculinity plays itself out in gay men is that the guys who are the insertive or the tops mm-hmm. uh, think they're better than the guys who are the receptors or the bottoms. Mm-hmm. Like, they will say, oh, he's just a big old bottom. And that's just... T- yeah. Just call you a woman because we hate women and just... And not just gay men, straight men also yes. have a tendency to hate women. Right, internalize the misogyny. Right, yeah. Inter- yeah. yeah. So it's like, oh, he's just the bottom. Oh, you, and mm-hmm. it's like, we just totally dismiss this person mm-hmm. because they're a little, they don't fit into our definition of masculinity. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, you know, and it's like when you admit your past racism, I have to admit my past um, internalized misogyny sure. and, and, and the hatred for women to a to, to a, to a stance, mm-hmm. and it wasn't that I hated women. It's like I didn't like men who were feminine because you shouldn't be feminine. As if being feminine is wrong, mm-hmm. but then all these women are. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's okay for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We got a lot of work to do. Can I also say I think, and and this is this is where I I've been saying this recently to folks. This is spiritual work. Like mm-hmm. you know, I mean, when you talk about getting down into your into your preconceived. Biases, your internal, your your implicit bias, all that stuff, um, and I I know this is I mean this I'm a preacher so this is you know but I think this is spiritual work you yeah. know and it because it's it's like I have to go down into myself and repent and when I say repent so the Greek word repent is metanoia means having a bigger mind mm-hmm. I have to have a bigger mind about this stuff and that's that is not an easy thing to do um, and I think that's one of the things that. I, Especially when I'm dealing with social justice folks, and I move in a lot of activist circles, but right. it's I think sometimes if if you lose that perspective that it's spiritual work, you can get you can be not humble about it, you know. And I think there's a lot of arrogance like you you want to be where I am, you right. unwoke individual, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but and, and I think it's it's hard. I think I think you, we need to remember it's spiritual, so that we do right. again not not to gaslight and say tone policing all that stuff, but just to say to have some humility about it. Like I don't know where we're going as a species, right? And, and but you know that whole thing about mm-hmm. even when you talk about tone policing, like mm-hmm. to, 
People say you're Tom Police when they don't want you to be an asshole to other people. Right. Yeah. That's not Tom Police. Sure. That's just the golden rule. Like, you don't want to be treated like that. <laughs> don't treat other people like that. Yeah. But but even the whole thing with, well, we're too politically correct. No, we don't want you calling these people niggas and spicks and right. whores. 100%. And you're saying that we're policing your life. No, just don't be an asshole. And I think the rest yes. of it yeah, will work for The no asshole rule is a good rule, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, okay, so we're going to go into a break. And we come back. I want to, like, kind of tie this off because mm-hmm. there's another question I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get into um, some identity politics and mm-hmm. how that also plays with men and also with racism and misogyny and all the other right things that we have. Mm-hmm. Cool things? All right, yeah. so we'll be back. Join BHAM Black Pride August 15th through 18th for BBP 2019. This year, BHAM Black Pride kicks off Thursday night, August 15th, with a comedy show featuring everyone's favorite gay comic, Samson McCormick. Then Friday night, it's our BHAM Black Pride Scholarship and Awards Banquet, where we are honoring some important people and recognizing young, queer kids of color in their scholastic achievements. Saturday morning, our Empowerment Conference kicks off at 9 a.m., featuring Haley Sahar, who plays Lulu Ferocity, on the hit FX television show. Show pose. Following our empowerment conference, we're going to have our official day party from 2 to 6, followed by our official Black Pride party at Saturn from 8 until Sunday morning. We'll fellowship with St. Junior United Methodist Church, led by Dr. David Barnhart Jr. And to end our celebration, our annual house party picnic at Bessie Estelle Park. For more information about Beham Black Pride 2019, visit our website at www.behamblackpride.org. That's www.bh. H-A-M-B-L-A-C-K-P-R-I-D-E dot O-R-G. All right, so we are back. Uh, thank y'all for listening to Let Me Say This. I almost said Same Crap Different Day. That's my other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for listening to uh, Let Me Say let, let me say This. Um, this is something new for me. Uh, we're going to just figure it out as we go. Um, we're not going to do five questions because y'all already got the answers to five <laughs> questions. Go back to episode two. Uh, but I do want to talk one more thing about uh, masculinity before we move over to our next subject. Mm-hmm. So in the in the uh, podcast uh, on men, mm-hmm. uh, there was this thing about how when girls who are tomboys, mm-hmm. like girls who are tomboys, still get respect from the boys and the girls. Right. But the little boy who wants to play jump rope. Some of the girls might be okay with that. Some of them are not, but none of the boys are going to be cool with that. Yes. And again, it just goes back into, I think, I think they they call it wound envy, Mm -hmm. but I kind of like, kind of like, almost like not dislike or hatred for women to a point because Mm -hmm. if it's feminine, then it's not worthy. Right. And I think that has to change when you talk about the spiritual work that we have to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think some of that has to change. Because it's okay to cry. Yeah. yeah. Crying is cathartic. Yeah. It's perfectly okay to cry. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, with my, you know, the for some of the younger gays, my uber-masculine opinion, uh, um, look, I cry all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I literally, I cry all the time. Right. You know, I only try to cry when I'm happy, but, you know, I still cry all the time because mm-hmm. there's this emotional shift that you go through. Mm-hmm. But I think that masculinity becomes toxic when it hurts not only the people around men who are performing toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. but when it also hurts them in a way that they don't realize that oh. they're being hurt. Oh, yeah. I think I think that's... So, um, 
oppression hurts you know the the oppressed uh, worst, but it hurts the oppressor first. Right. You know, I think that's. Oh, right, I can't that's remember. Good. I can't remember who said that. I, I stole that, that from someone. That was good. Yeah. Uh, someone else said that, but uh, it, it definitely is. One of the things I thought was when in that in that episode on warriors in that in the men series, I thought the powerful part for me was when they said essentially society has made this bargain that women are more essential to reproduce our species. Right. So a woman can only have one child a year or whatever, but a man can have you know, can create, can, yeah, can create a bunch. But um, so men are more expendable. And so in, in trade for your expendability, your willingness to sacrifice yourself in war or fighting or whatever, yeah. um, then there's a trade. We'll give you this power for your willingness to go, go kill, go hurt. And so we, we train boys from a very young age, don't be a sissy, don't, right. you know, don't have empathy, don't cry, be tough. Be um, a man. Be a man. And, you know, I can't even say that that's entirely bad because we do need to learn how to, you know, control our emotions. Right. But there's a healthy way to do that. And then there's this toxic way, which the only way, the only acceptable emotions for a boy to show are anger and contempt. And, you Aggression. Know, and aggre- you, can't, you can't show vulnerability. You Tenderness. Sadness. Right. You know, none of that's, there's a great book called Raising Cain uh, by Michael Thompson and Dan Kinlan. Uh, which is about the emotional life of boys and how we train boys from a very young age to to be emotionally unintelligent, essentially. And he, um, but he calls it the culture of cruelty, like we are indoctrinated into a culture of cruelty. And so the, you know, I I I've become convinced this is just not a good trade. It's not, and, and that it's also a natural trade too, because mm-hmm. also in that episode they were talking about how you, especially when you think about. The, the the impetus for the trade-off was war mm-hmm. and that you really train people to go kill mm-hmm. and that's not natural and we all wouldn't do, and I don't care who it is like when people kill people that changes them yes you know even if you look at our laws that they haven't changed you would really spend more time in jail for armed robbery than you will for murdering somebody mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because murder is just so antithetical anti-everything mm-hmm. to who we are as people that you're not as likely to murder someone again as you are to do armed robbery, unless you're, of course, a serial killer. Right. Yeah, it's just, you got some serious problems. Well, one of the, one of the things I, they said in that, um, in that podcast was that if you look through history, and if, if men are naturally inclined to, be, to go fight, then why do we have to keep bribing them with drugs and sex <laughs> and, you know, and, and the conscript, conscription? Right. You know, because they don't want to fight, right. they don't. They'd rather go do something else. Yeah. You know. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. That's 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 that that that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. So so the transition. Um, yesterday was it yesterday? Yesterday day before yesterday, I was on Facebook, mm-hmm. and one of my friends, um, he's white and he's gay, and he's cisgender, mm-hmm. um, had made a comment about. Um, who would be the winning ticket for the Democratic Party in 2020? Mm-hmm. And for me, and I know, and let me just say this, mm-hmm. he is a friend of mine, mm-hmm. the guy that I like a whole lot. I know that he was not trying to be racist or racially biased, mm-hmm. but the statement was just so, I know black people better than they know themselves, and I can mm-hmm. tell you who they're going to vote for he made this, uh, I'm trying to find it now, mm-hmm. he made this statement that uh, his, 
he would be ecstatic for a Sanders Warren ticket, but he thinks that Buttigieg and Harris are both young and less ideological and progressive. But uh, let, let, me, let me say this. <laughs> Let's go with my time. <laughs> um, Buttigieg and, Ham- and Harris mm-hmm. would be a ticket for me that I think is destined to fail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it would be destined to fail because... The same people that don't like black women mm-hmm. don't like white gays. <laughs> and they're going to come out in droves like they did, for, like they did in yeah. 2016. I think, I think and it's giving liberals too much credit. It's giving ways. us way too much credit. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. the black people who you are expecting to get with hairs, mm-hmm. because his, his thing, his, his reason was that uh, Buddha Judge... Um, he said, um, but then ideologically more progressive candidates, Sanders and Warren, may, may, may not find the less progressive Harris and Buttigieg compatible with their platforms or vice versa. Harris and Buttigieg could, of course, run together and would be a very attractive and young face. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, he said that, you know, Buttigieg could get the liberals and the white gays out and mm-hmm. Kamala Harris could get the blacks out. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is like a couple of little keystrokes. Mm-hmm. And look at where black people are headed for 2020. Mm-hmm. It's not Kamala Harris. Right. Yeah. Overwhelmingly black people, and especially voting black people, are on the Biden train. Mm-hmm. If they're not on the Biden train, now they're on the warm caboose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she just um, just uh, out Sanders, the Sanders sandwich. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's for Kamala Harris, a a woman of color, because she's mm-hmm. not really black either. Okay. And I think people forget about that. She, oh, she's not African American. Okay, all right. Let me yeah, say, she's yeah. black, but she's not African American. Yeah. You can say it. I'll, I'll... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she's black. I'll, I'll snatch a card okay. now. I will snatch a card. <laughs> but um, she's not held in that high regard mm-hmm. from African Americans because she was a prosecutor. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And the criminal things that our justice system makes our prosecutors do mm-hmm. does not sit well with black people. Sure. It just does not. Yeah. So, and I was like, you know, um, that's not quite true. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and I was offended because he assumed that black people vote because of race. Mm-hmm. We don't. Mm-hmm. And we haven't. Mm-hmm. And we probably can't ever. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. if we were to vote solely on race, one, there ain't been a whole lot of black uh, black candidates in the last 200 years. A mm-hmm. hundred of them damn years, we couldn't vote for real because right. of Jim Crow. Sure. And then, you know, when we do finally find, I think, who was it? Shirley Chisholm was the first, mm-hmm. like, nat- like big level black candidate. Mm-hmm. You know, we had Shirley Chisholm, we had uh, Andrew uh, Rainbow Coalition. Jackson. Jesse Jackson. Jesse Jackson. Yeah, okay, yeah. I knew it was Jackson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Him. Mm-hmm. Reverend Al. And, you know, and we were like, I ain't gonna waste my vote on Reverend Al. Right, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, yeah, some of, the, some, of those, some of those berry breakers are not necessarily gonna be the person that no, gets up there, right? No, but, you know, and not saying that they were not good candidates. Sure, right. But at the America at that time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you might as well have voted for Jill Stein last year, which a lot of people did. That's Well, that's what a lot of people called Bill Clinton the first black president. Right. So, yeah, because it's, it's for the reasons you're talking about. Because black people supported Bill Clinton, right. you know, mm-hmm. and then he got in there and started making laws against us, so, yes, you know. Right. But because he could play that saxophone, he was still black. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. 
But seriously, you know, and I was like, don't, and I kind of, and the part that offended me was Mm -hmm. the fact that he accused black people of doing stuff that white people do all the time. Uh White people will vote for white people just because they're white. Yes. They they do it all the time. They had the ability to do it. Mm-hmm. They had the occasions to do it because right. most of the people that we have are white. Yeah. Most white people see a black candidate and a white ca- a candidate, and they will vote for mm-hmm. the white candidate, mm-hmm. even if they're totally shitty, mm-hmm. like Roy Moore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The number of people who voted for Roy Moore makes my stomach turn. Right, but I think you, you earlier you were saying like if you looked at you know if you look at Doug Jones, you look at I mean it was it was black women who pushed you know Doug Jones through the through the gate. Um, but a lot of white people, I mean, that they're the ones that had the split vote. So, so black folks didn't care no. <laughs> about Doug Jones' race. And I, and I had to explain mm-hmm. it to him that, we, for one, we haven't been able to do that in the past. Right, you haven't that luxury. We haven't had that luxury. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you really want your vote to count, sometimes that black candidate is not going to be very viable. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it, but and, and again, the part that was offensive to me that he just accused, oh, they're gonna vote for her because she's black. Mm-hmm. No, we're not. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we absolutely are not. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. a Biden Harris ticket. Now that would be a winning ticket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but but a Buttigieg. Yeah. Well, there's identity politics for you right there. Someone who's, you know, someone who's gay because yeah. you know, gay white people. Mm-hmm. Love thinking that just because we all gay, we got the same issues. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really, I got a, one of my organizations that I call from another organization about doing some work. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be around the gay candidate. Mm-hmm. He's bad on black issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that whole incarceration thing. Mm-hmm. Because him, him and his whiteness, there's nothing wrong with whiteness when you really check it. But him and his whiteness is like, well, I think when people break the laws, they should... Right, right. Well, nobody's checking for y'all breaking laws, so you know you get away with a lot more shit than the rest well, of us. Well, exactly. Well, and the, and the thing is, anyone if you're looking at criminal justice and you're only looking at it in an individual situation, you're not considering the fact that the way we do mass incarceration means we are sh- always shifting power to white districts. I mean, the whole idea is you take a you take a, a prison and you put it in a county that's majority white and most of its residents are black, and those people are not voting in their um, in their district, but they're counting in the census for the the funds and the goods that that county is getting. Yeah. So it is it is theft from black neighborhoods oh, to white wow. neighborhoods. Hey, about like yeah, that. it's hundred percent theft, and it's part of the it's part of the mass uh, disenfranchisement of black populations and the misrepresentation. Right, hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so this is a little bit off the subject, but one of the things that I've been trying, and of course nobody listens to me because you know I don't know about it, <laughs> but um, you know with them trying to figure out how to get, we have President Trump in office because of gerrymandering. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So we had the botched gerrymandering job that was done in twenty ten, mm-hmm. and now Barr and uh, Wilbur Wilbur Ross wants to add that citizenship question. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and I haven't, th- I didn't think about it in terms of incarceration, mm-hmm. but what these Republicans, especially in these slave states that we live in, mm-hmm. think about the number of undocumented people here who live in these rural white areas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you think about where the highest concentration of uh, Latinx people are, they're not in Birmingham proper. They're in Pebble. Right. Mm-hmm. So, if, let's just say, let's just say 90% of them weren't. Um, weren't 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 citizens, so they did not fill out the census. Mm-hmm. 
you're taking away all those numbers that would help you with your redistricting. Mm -hmm. So if you have a district that's, say, Republican, you got 80,000 people in it, let's just say that there are 5,000 undocumented people who don't do the census, mm -hmm. you're taking your population down by 5,000 mm -hmm. just, mm -hmm. from from, just from that. Mm -hmm. So whereas you would have got everything appropriated on 80,000, now you're only getting it appropriated on 75,000. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And when you're in a small town like that, that really makes a big difference. Right. I think you're right. I think you're right, and I think it is all about how. I mean, Charles Blow talk, calls it white panic, right? It's all about how. <laughs> it's all about how folks can ensconce themselves in, in with as much power as they can before 2050, when white people become a minority. Yeah. That's that's what it's about, and that's why it's you know that's all the immigration, all this, all the rhetoric around immigration, all the you know. And not just illegal immigration, because when people yeah. say, oh, if they came here illegally, no, we're trying to reduce legal immigration. Of brown and black people. It's all about brown and black people. Yeah. 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 So that's, but it, the whole thing with identity politics is, mm -hmm. and I really think that identity politics are not good for it in, in any way. Yeah. Well, I, it's such a big term, I have a hard time with it, but I feel like, um, I, I think white people have a lot more identity politics than than people who are not a majority. Yeah. You know, I mean, straight, I mean, like the straight pride thing. There is, there's already straight pride. It's, did they do that? No, I don't know if they did it or not. I'm just, I, it's <laughs> I'm just, just hoping that's a bad dream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, the whole, the whole idea is, um, my identity as a white, straight, cisgender dude is everywhere I go, it's, it's, you know, I, I get a pass. Uh, I, I was talking to a group of preachers. The other, so we were in a room. We were talk, We were actually politicking in yeah. advance of our conference. And uh, one of the things I said, and it was it was an unpopular thing to say, but it's a truth that needed to be spoken, is that you know out of the hundred largest churches in the United States, only one is led by a woman, hmm. and out of the uh, only a handful are led by African Americans. So if you are a pastor of a big church and you got clout. Most of the reason you're there is not because of your merit. If you had been born female or been born black, you wouldn't be in this room. You know, you wouldn't be at that church. And of course, what's the Southern Baptist Church talking about right now? Or they spent the last week talking about women pastors. There's one, there's one woman pastor of the hundred largest churches in the United States. There's one that's led by a female. And, you know, they're all concerned about women pastors. But it goes back to power there. A hundred percent. Yeah. All. It's all about power. Oh, we're all garbage. Okay. <laughs> so, um, we're going to go into our second break and we're going to talk about, we're going to finish the time about decolonization of things. Yes. You know, and what that looks like and what does it mean. And we know, you know, what's that white panic and white fragility mm -hmm. is going to be, you know, um, hurt by all this. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because they got to have this thing. All right, we'll be back after the break. <laughs> Join Behind Black Pride August 15th through 18th for BBP 2019. This year, Behind Black Pride kicks off Thursday night, August 15th, with a comedy show featuring everyone's favorite gay comic, Samson McCormick. Then Friday night, it's our Behind Black Pride Scholarship and Awards Banquet, where we are honoring some important people and recognizing young, queer kids of color and their scholastic achievements. Saturday morning, our Empowerment Conference kicks off at 9 a.m. featuring Haley Sahar, who plays Lulu Horosity, on the hit FX television 
show pose. Following our empowerment conference, we're going to have our official day party from 2 to 6, followed by our official Black Pride party at Saturn from 8 until Sunday morning. We'll fellowship with St. Junior United Methodist Church, led by Dr. David Barnhart Jr. And to end our celebration, our annual house party picnic at Bessie Estelle Park. For more information about Beham Black Pride 2019, visit our website at www.behamblackpride.org. That's www.b-h-a-m-b-l-a-c-k-p-r-i-d-e.org. So we are back. Uh, thank y'all again for listening to Let Me Say This uh, in our fourth episode. Ah! <laughs> uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed talking to Dave. Um, we we talk all the time. Indeed. And I enjoy it all the time. And a lot I think a lot more of our conversations probably need to be recorded. <laughs> maybe or maybe not. Maybe not. Dangerous. Sometimes. A few of them should be recorded. Sorry, sorry. I'm really grateful for the intentional ones that we mm. are recording. Yes. So before we uh, went to this last break, we were talking about identity politics and you know what that looks like. And, you know, for this session, I want to go into decolonization of things. So a lot of schools, especially progressive liberal schools, are trying to decolonize their libraries and their bookshelves because you literally have, I think about the way that slavery was taught to me mm. uh, in school. And it was always as if, you know, we had this beautiful country and it was being built. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like that being uh, Carson. Uh, myth of the immigrant workers mm-hmm. who were coming in for a better life. Yes, yes. And that and they just beat them every now and then when they did something horrendous. Like look at a white woman yeah, right. the wrong way. Right. You know that's when you don't get your ass with when you look yeah. at a white woman. But otherwise, otherwise it was a great. Everything was just a great opportunity for you to leave that shithole yeah. country in Africa exactly. and come to the United States. Mm-hmm. Bull fucking shit. Right, right. <laughs> like the biggest bullshit story yeah. going ever. Exactly. But that's what it looked like mm-hmm. in the books that I was taught. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it goes, it's, it's the whole thing about being colonized. Yeah. So you were talking about um, climate change and yeah. its role in, in this. Okay, well, so this is kind of a big, this is a big picture idea. But, and I, and I, I'm floating this because I, I could be wrong about this. But um, one of the things I think that the reason we are in the world that we live in right now is climate change, if we're going to, if we as a human species are going to survive climate change, we have to have this sort of spiritual awakening that is beyond religion. So, you know, Christians, Hindus, atheists all have to work together. Uh, has to go beyond nations. Has to be, go beyond, um, you know, privilege. And in what if we're going to survive, right. inequality, economic inequality is going to have to disappear. Because of because of people not to trust each other. Well, right. Well, and because that's part of the reason we have climate change right. is economic inequality. So, I mean, poverty, this, this rampant um, uh, inequality is part of what helps create and sustain climate change. Um, so if we're going to survive climate change, economic inequality is going to have to disappear. Privilege is going to have to disappear, right? Because we're not going to be able... So in, in whatever new world emerges, whatever new world survives, mm-hmm. it's not going to have a place for white privilege, white supremacy, and toxic masculinity because that's what's killing us. And I think that's part of what... You know, part of this pushback, this fear, is there. There is a future for us. I, I hope there's a future for us. Right. But if there is a future for us that includes all of us, it does not have a place for white privilege. It does not have a place for toxic masculinity. And those things are going to have to die. 
And so that's why I think you, there's this fear and this reinforcement of, you know, we, we feel, I think, I think intuitively, we feel this panic. And it's not just about 2050 white people being a minority. I think it's like, if we're going to survive this, yeah. thing, the thing that I have grown accustomed to is going to have to alter Change. fundamentally. Yeah. And that's a and that's again that's a spiritual transformation. People have to there has to be that that word metanoia, repentance, this awakening or turning around, um, a renewing of your mind. Renew, so it's, exactly. See, that's yeah. I mean, that's gospel. It's gospel, but it's not. It's it's bigger than Christianity. Right. Right. It has to be bigger than Christianity. Otherwise, we're just dead. You know. I'm and I, I know that's probably not going to make me popular among. <laughs> fundamentalists any more than I am already. But, right, like they were on your side. Right, right, right. So, um, but but it is, I think, a God thing. I think it's a spiritual thing. We're being summoned into something better, and there's a lot of resistance to that. And so I'm about to preach, but that's kind of what well, I... Well, no, I mean, mm, preach on because, yeah. no, it, it, okay, so, so since I've started preaching with mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. I've really started to look at the Bible in a different way. And even when you, you know, started talking about climate change, I thought about all the things that we would need to do mm-hmm. to, in, in addition to what you mentioned mm-hmm. to fix climate change. And it, and it brought me to those two sermons I did about the feeding of the 5,000 mm-hmm. and the one on Pentecost. Yeah. And in my non-traditional looks at those. Mm-hmm. Because when you think about the reason why we have uh, a lot of the things that contribute to climate change, climate change mm-hmm. is that we're greedy. Mm-hmm. So, so you could also use the matter story as well. So right. between the matter story, the five thousand, feeding the five thousand, and then the Pentecost moment. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't be hoarding all of this food, right? Because God told them in Genesis that you know they could only get the matter for that day, right? Right. And that way, everybody got some, mm-hmm. and none of it went to waste, right? Because if you plucked it and saved it, then it went to waste. But right now, we we're kind of we're contradicting God because we're adding all these preservatives to right. our food. Which is doing something and, even worse. And most of it we throw away. And most of it we throw it away. <laughs> yeah. So then you look at the feeding of the 5,000 story that I did. Mm-hmm. And from my interpretation, the food was already there. Yeah. But we didn't trust each other enough mm-hmm. to bring our food out. Because if I bring my food out, they're going to take my food. It's going to be right. Right. Mm-hmm. So once we stop hoarding the food, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, so everybody has enough for it to be there. Then we can get to the point where... On the feeding of the five thousand, where we're not worried about our neighbors taking our food because that's enough for everybody. Actually, there's twelve baskets too much right. that we're mm-hmm. gonna have to throw away. Yeah. yeah, you know. And then the Pentecost moment is when we stop living in fear mm-hmm. of the other, mm-hmm. because right now we the, the trust part, right. the greed, and then the fear. Mm-hmm. Because I can't, I don't know what you're gonna do if I'm alone with you. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What you're gonna say? I don't know. What am I? You're gonna take, right? You know. Mm-hmm. But once we, the, once that spirit falls on us, we start able to communicate with each other a little bit better. Yeah. And we can trust each other and love each other a lot better. Yeah. Then I think a lot of that, that a lot of that would go away. Mm-hmm. But I, don't, you're a whole more hopeful than me. Well, so I think, but <laughs> well, I, 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 well, I will acknowledge the reality of human sin, which is that we don't, yeah, and and so like colonization, part of that, the whole colonizing thing is this whole idea. That I can go into a space and I can see this land and it's not being used the way I want to use it. And so I just take it. Right. And I, I want to tell you, it's funny because my wife and I, like, we play Minecraft. 
Um, you know, and 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 it's what's funny is I've never played that. Oh, okay, it's it's hilarious. But we so but we'll play it together, and we'll go in, and there'll be a village, and we'll say, oh, we should definitely colonize this village. <laughs> and we go in, and we, and we we make improvements, right. right? We 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 shape it the way we want it, and and we we laugh, we I mean we joke about it, but it, it's it's kind of creepy in that. When I play uh, the other things we play, you know, Civilization. I don't know if you've ever played Civilization, mm-hmm. but you're 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 expanding. You're you're just sending your. What do you play the game? Uh, that that's I play it on my laptop, but okay. um, but Minecraft we play on the Xbox. But, okay. But all these games, I mean, there's something appealing about this idea that look, there's this land, and I can just take it's just mine. I can just take it. But you know, in the in the Bible. Uh, every 50 years, there's a great land redistribution. It, supposedly, in Leviticus, there's supposed to be this great land redistribution. And the whole idea is, you don't own the land. You can't own the land. You how, know? Did not, how did that not survive with the prohibitions on same sex kind of living? I think they threw that out as soon as they could. <laughs> like, oh, was, no, they will never know this shit. It's like, this is mine. <laughs> it, um, but yeah, I mean, because like, really, you don't control the land. You're here for, you're here for, you know, 70, 80, 90 years if you're lucky. And you're gonna be buried in the land, right? You know, will be the land, and then the, your grandkids, you know, will have the land. So you're renting it. So, so, yeah. so, so back. So that's how we decolonize everything. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, colonization is just. I just. Mm-hmm. I want. Do you think? I don't know. I. I often wonder, like, why would they think that that was such a good idea? Let's just go take this land because they don't know what they're doing with it. Yeah. Well. I, That's I'm another podcast. <laughs> so, so for those of you who are, you know, a part of liberal movements, um, the whole thing was like decolonizing um, bookshelves, but I also think we need to decolonize politics mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it looks really colonial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> colonial is code for old and white. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but it's also about like I can take this and it's an unimproved resource and I can improve it and I have basically I have the, the divine right to take that, it, improve it and sell it at a profit. But that, yeah, but that's where we are now. So yeah, yeah. it's already been colonized. We need yeah. to figure out how to decolonize it. Right. And as much as I love progressives, mm-hmm. a lot of times I think we're just as bad as the conservatives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's no no room for compromise. Right, sure. I was talking what, I was talking with somebody yesterday and we were talking about, oh, we were in a management meeting and one of our coworkers, we were talking about, um, Matt was giving his uh, rundown mm-hmm. and it came up about the impeachment question. Mm-hmm. And honestly, mm-hmm. yeah, Trump has done everything that he needs to have done to be impeached. Oh, and okay. we know it. Yes. The problem is <laughs> the Senate ain't going to have no impeachment hearing. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So, and I understand, and I just wish, I mean, like, Unless, now I don't know, I'm because now you have to do this whole like mind jump and figure out what could be so terrible that he could have done mm-hmm. that those Republicans who are on his side would turn against him. Right, right. They didn't even want. They they still have not turned on him for saying he would accept help again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, I know. He's, he like as he said, he could shoot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue and get away with it. And get away with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand why we think that. I don't understand why they think impeachment is the way to go. Right, well, especially when you had, you know, the Senate wouldn't even give Obama his uh, Supreme Court right pick pick for. I'm mean, like, oh, we gotta wait till the next election. Right, but if if Ruth Bader, Lord, please yeah. watch out the roof. Please. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. 
Mm. A moment, moment of silence for prayer. Yes. For yeah, I'm, I'm so serious. <laughs> oh, Lord, just keep a rest of <laughs> If she dies, mm -hmm. they're going to seek somebody. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And they've done away with that rule where they needed the majority, so all they need is 51. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But none of them have consciousness. And I wonder how they go to church. And mm -hmm. I want yeah, this this is going all off colonization, but it goes back in the white folks' church. Mm -hmm. Like I wonder how they go to church mm -hmm. and and think that this is okay. Oh, right. the same way they kept black people in slaves. That's, well, that's years. right. The church the church helped them. So yeah, it, it yeah. I do think um, I think you're right about it going back to to colonialism. I mean, part of it is if um, God has given this to me. You're not doing what you need to do with it. Therefore, I can take it, and I can use it the way I see fit in a way that benefits me. Mm -hmm. And it it really there's a um, there's a mentality behind it that really is it's a theological mentality. It's um, oh yeah, it's I, the, I claim this. Yeah, name it and claim it. Name it and claim it. <laughs> yeah, put your name on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. That's a, that's a, that's amazingly terrible. Mm -hmm. But that's the world we live in. And hopefully we can do... I just I just wish that we could... And I say this, and I don't talk to people who I don't agree with. But I wish there was a way we could talk to people that we mm -hmm. disagree with. Well, so I got something about that. So here's my little... You threw my spiel on this, right? Um, there's... There are people I think that we can talk with and convert. I actually... I have I have a taxonomy of like people it's worth talking to. I think we saw... <laughs> I think we've gone over that before. So, like... Uh, and, and, you know, trying to move people up into the category where they're open-minded uh, and good-hearted and informed, right? right? Um, and it's almost like you, it's hard to get all three of those. Someone could be open-minded, but not necessarily good-hearted, right. you know, et cetera. Um, but I don't, I don't think we need to convert people. Um, I think the, the bigger issue are people in the mushy middle who they're, they're, brains are converted but their hearts aren't you know or there there's it's not necessarily that they don't they lack information it's they that they lack uh will well and i think um so the mushy middle is good hard well the three traits good hard open-minded informed informed so you know like so in other words if you if you have the facts right right because you know, like someone who's got climate change denial if you could just give them the facts then they would be open-minded right right um, and, and then they would, oh, okay, well now I understand that would be a conversion. Right. That, that hardly ever happens. Right. <laughs> you know? Someone could have, someone could be informed, but they're, uh, they don't have a good heart and they're going to promote denial anyway, because it's in their, they feel like it's in their yeah, economic interest. interest. So, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that, you know, people can fall on that, that taxonomy. But the, but the three people who, who have the, the people who have the three qualities that you are looking for. They have to have one other thing too, because if not, then they act like those pseudo Christians who said, "We just gonna pray about it." Yeah, yeah. But you gotta. But then you have to make an action. You have. Yeah. There has to be. So. So in addition to being open minded, I don't even like the word open minded. It's really just open to change. Right. Like I am willing to change. And the the thing is, here's something that's funny about a lot of people. Um. They they nobody thinks that they're going to change in the future. They can look back on their history and they can maybe talk about how they've changed, right? But they don't. But they think pretty much like where I am. I'm like I'm on rails, you know. <laughs> so okay, so I'm thinking about putting myself in that box and see where I go. Mm -hmm. I am informed, mm -hmm. and I am 
open-minded with caveats, though. Sure. So my caveat for open-mindedness is that if you're going to change the way I feel about something, mm -hmm. emotional helps, mm -hmm. but facts will get it done. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. You know, facts will get it done. Mm -hmm. Even when I think about some of my old uh, thoughts about bisexuals and even transgender people, mm -hmm. you know, I had my, I was a little bit informed, but mm -hmm. I didn't have all of the facts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for trans people, they just want to be something that they're not. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to make this into a thing. Well, no, this is exactly who they are. And there's right. genetic proof that shows you that. Mm -hmm. You know, you have people who are born intersex mm -hmm. who, you know, could go either way. So the fact that we know this to be scientifically true, mm -hmm. you know, then for me, it's easy to make that leap. Right. The problem comes with people who they know things that are true, mm -hmm. and they still don't make that leap. Right. And it's not always just with with climate climate change. The problem that the church is going through sure. right now, mm -hmm. there are preachers who know full well that everything that the church has said about homosexuality is just is misinterpreted as mm -hmm. it wants to be. Mm -hmm. But because it serves my interest, mm -hmm. and I'm not getting hurt, mm -hmm. and I'm getting a benefit from this, mm -hmm. then I'm gonna let that stand. Right. Yeah, no, there's some self-interest in there, absolutely. <sighs> yeah, but I, but I think part of it is, so I used to ask this question when um, when we were interviewing candidates uh, for ministry. I would often ask, um, name a time that you were wrong, and what did you learn from it? And it's interesting how people answer that question. Kanisa <laughs> yeah. interviewer, when yeah. you ask that question, they immediately sit back. Yeah, yeah. yes. Because yeah. that's the stuff I don't want you to know. Yeah, well, but I mean, I'm just thinking like, have I ever changed my opinion about something? You know, and and the thing is, if someone can't answer that question, I don't think they need to be in ministry. Absolutely, not. absolutely not. I don't think they, they need to be in leadership. I, absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> like there are so many things that that person doesn't need to do. Right, they don't need to teach people. They sure as hell don't need to be president. <laughs> they definitely. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've never been wrong in my life. Never been wrong in my life. All my asses are good because I have a big brain. Yeah. Oh my god, that's a little. That's that's what we are as a country. Yeah. We suck. <laughs> but anyway, Dave, thank you again for you. just this wonderful time. Yes. Um, I'm gonna call you back for something else. Sure. I still want to do my panel on racism. Yeah, yeah. I got kind of busy here, but uh, we probably do that before. Sometime before Birmingham Black Pride. I'm up for it. I might do that too. Because that might form me a whole week of stuff to do. Hey, just let me know. <laughs> let me know, man. I'll be, I'll be there. Absolutely. All right. Well, you got any parting words before we go? Just, I think everyone needs to meditate on when have you been wrong and what did you learn from it? Yes. Yeah, that's our question for you for today. <laughs> when have you been wrong and what did you learn? It could be anything. Yeah. yeah so, anything. Yeah. Well, man, thanks a lot. Thank you, Chief. All right. And we'll be back. All right. Peace. Yeah, that's...